Okie dokie. It looks like we are on. I forgot to adjust my camera. There we go. To get the right things out of the background. All right. Lots of things happening this morning. Mostly it's just snow. It's snowing outside. Did you know it was snowing outside? If you didn't, go look outside. They did not predict snow for this early this morning. And, well, it came anyways. Doesn't God listen to the weatherman? The weatherman did not predict snow at 7 o'clock this morning. It was supposed to come later. Apparently, God doesn't listen to weathermen any more than he listens to Pharisees. We're pastors, really. So, thank you. Welcome. The board here, let's see, make sure I'm streaming here. I have streaming stuff. It says there were people watching. Wow. Technology is grand when it works. And I got little meters going up and down for sound. I got indicators telling me what my computer is doing, that I'm streaming, that I'm recording. All kinds of stuff that's happening. All right. Well, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening today. Um, let's see. I see Judy's said good morning. Um, if you don't know who I am, if you're listening and you just happen to pop see this out of randomness, that's fine. I am Nelson Nisley. I'm associate pastor at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri, where I think when I left my house this morning, I said it was four degrees outside. Uh, my, my, my fitness tracker says it's five degrees outside. So it's not very warm. It is snowing at the moment, not real hard. It's just the light stuff, more light, fluffy snow. Um, road, road report this morning. Interstates had one lane clear. The other lanes were um, snow-covered but uh, passable. Ramps, obviously, are partially snow, partially clear, partially snow-covered. Side streets are snow-covered. And... Um, but there's no snow drifts there. So it was just roads are covered with snow. So if you have to get out, you can drive, just do everything in slow motion, accelerate slowly, brake slowly, turn slowly, way slower than you think you need to. Um, when the semi decided to pass me today and he was on the snow covered lane, it was a whiteout condition for about 30 seconds until he got far enough ahead of me. And so that was the scariest part of the whole thing. Not that the roads got worse. I just couldn't see what was happening around me. So that's that's your morning traffic report. Good morning, Don. Good morning, Shirley. Um, so uh, Darren is in the process. We are not going to have live services here to mo this morning at Tower View. Everything is going to be virtual. Um, we had this church... Had the parking lot plowed yes last night after the snow quit, and so actually this the, the parking lot is clearer than the roads are right now because uh, they they uh, plowed it and then put down a layer of salt, and so there was still bare spots on the on the um, parking lot when I came in this morning. Sidewalks had a little bit of snow on them, maybe a quarter of an inch at, at the most. So and they were shoveled yesterday. A church member came over here and just volunteered his time and, and, and did that. Let's see who else is on. Darren is on this morning. So anyway, 
that's that's about me. That's about the church. That's what's happening this morning. And if you see my shirt, I leaned the wrong way. Um, there's a little football game on this afternoon, this evening. In case you haven't heard, um, there is a football game, and I will be rooting for one of the teams. I won't tell you which one, but you might be able to figure it out there. Um, I was going to wear my hat, but I realized my hat and my headphones didn't really go together. You know, so I'm, you know, I'm all ready to go. But that's what's happening in the world today. And it is cold, it is snowy. You'd think it's February or something. But you know what? I swatted no mosquitoes this morning. I saw no large snakes outside. And there were no crocodiles uh, on the church steps this morning. So there's that. Whenever people complain about the weather, it's like, I, yeah, but we don't live in a place where there's uh, crocodiles crawling on your front porch. And when it's snowing, there's no mosquitoes. It's like snow is a mosquito repellent or something. Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, Pastor Nelson, Tower View Baptist Church. If you want to know about, more about our church, check out towerviewkc.com. So, so much for all our commentary for today. We are going to be in the book of Luke today. Uh, again, we're going through the book of Luke. We're in chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. And if you have your study books, if you have, have the uh, Explore the Bible study books, we are in lesson number 11. Next week, we are going to make, do our makeup. So next week, we will do lesson 7, which I skipped a few weeks ago. Lesson 7 is on Luke 6, starting in verse 27. And so that is in the order of things, as, as order of the scripture goes. So next week, we'll be in lesson 7 that it says we were supposed to do on January 17th, but we'll be doing it on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And then for the February 21st and 28th, we will be back on track with what the, what the book says. So this week is, less, like, is lesson 11. Next week is lesson 7. So just to keep everybody on track because I did things out of order. How dare I do such a thing? Let's start with a word of prayer. Let's see. Let's see who else. Anybody else sign on this morning? Jackie. Good morning, Jackie. Linda. Good morning, Linda. And I scroll up here and I see there are seven people watching. So wow. We 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 are we are moving up in the world. I think more people than that will watch the football game, but that's okay. I, I would be shocked if you know that many people were watching my Facebook the Sunday school lesson. So let's start with a word of prayer, even though I've been talking for eight minutes. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all the blessings you've given us. Thank you for scripture that you've given us to shape our minds, shape our attitudes, shape our soul, because we learn about you. We learn about the God of our salvation, the God of creation. We learn about your holiness, about your justice, about your omniscience, and all the other omni stuff that we learn about you that are in Scripture. Help us to take it to heart. Help us to change our minds and change our lives. We just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to there. All right, 
So we're in the book of Luke today. Yes, we've been in the book of Luke since January. In, in chapter 6, and I taught this lesson, I teach this lesson on Friday nights to my small group, so they get to be the practice run for me. And a question I asked at the beginning was, who's your favorite Old Testament Bible character, uh, Bible person? And we, we had the gambit. We had Job, and we had Noah and Moses. Um, we had Esther. We had David. And so, you know, we had the gambit of there. Um, I was I was trying to figure out my own answer. My, my problem is I don't have a favorite because they're all favorites. I, um, I, I tend to pick on David and Job a lot because I like their heart and where they pray. But Jeremiah also had a heart. Daniel had a tact and a wisdom about him that I wish I had sometimes. Um, and yet he he had to persevere, even though he had things really well, he also had to persevere through some very tough times. And his life didn't start off so well. When you're a teenager and you see probably your parents killed and your hometown destroyed and you get shipped off to another country. That, that's not a great start to your life. Um, So, you know, we, we, we have many Old Testament heroes. And the reason I bring that up is because we're going to see that. We're going to see Jesus brings up David, and he brings up David before he is, before he is king. So Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 1, and it says this, On a Sabbath, he passed through the grain fields. His disciples were picking heads of grain, rubbing them in their hands, and eating them. But some of the Pharisees said, what are you doing that is not lawful on the Sabbath? So here's the picture. It's a, a Sabbath day, and the disciples are walking, and as they're walking along, beside the road is there a field of grain, probably wheat. And in Deuteronomy, there is a provision that if you're walking, if you're a traveler and you're walking along, and there is food on the side of the road, whether it's a grain field or an orchard, or a vineyard, you were allowed to stop and eat for that meal. So if it was a it was a vineyard, you could stop and you could eat, you know, a meal's worth of grapes. And it says until you're full. You just can't put any in your pocket and take them with you. That would be stealing. But you're allowed to eat and satisfy your, your hunger for that day, for that meal. So if you're walking down the road and there was an orchard for figs that were, I don't know, what, I guess figs were in tree, yeah, fig trees. Um, if, they had, if they had apple trees, if there was an apple there, you could stop and pick an apple or two and you could eat it for that meal as you're walking along. But you can't take, come by with a bucket and fill up your bucket and take it home. That would be stealing. In the same way, if you're passing by a grain field, here they're passing by a grain field. That's what kind of grain, but probably wheat. They were eating for that meal. And so if you pass by a wheat field, um, there, this, the top of the stalk, there's the heads of grain. And to get it, you would take the stalks and you'd rub it between your hands and get the, 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 the uh, chaff away and you get the, uh, the, the grain away from the rest of the, of the, the plant. And then you have a handful of grain that you could eat, like you know, like you eat a handful of nuts or peanuts. I, I've eaten wheat. My grandpa grew wheat, and so there was wheat in the uh, in the in the bit when one of the bins in the barn 
we'd sometimes, you know, take a few grains and eat them and, well, they taste a lot like flour. Not the most appetizing thing in the world to eat, but if you're hungry, it, it, it'll satisfy you for a little bit. And so that's what disciples were doing. And what it was perfectly legal thing to do, the issue was they were doing it on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was to be kept holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments. You are not to work on the Sabbath day. The Pharisees had taken upon themselves, and people gave them the authority to interpret the law. So if somebody came up and says, hey, is it lawful for me to do, and they would list their situation out, and the Pharisees would rule on it if it was a lawful thing or an unlawful thing, or what the lawful thing was to do. And so they had to determine that if you pick grain, even for yourself, just to eat on the Sabbath day, that's the same as harvesting. Therefore, you're working. So they had unilaterally decided this. This was not a rule in Scripture. Now, Scripture says you will not do any work on the Sabbath day. Not you, not your servants, not your animals, not your wife. And that included cooking. So on the Sabbath day, you were supposed to only eat cold leftovers. You could take go feed your animals. You could take lead your animals out to the, the water pond or whatever to, to water them. But that's the extent of the work you were supposed to do. The Pharisees had ruled on how far you could walk on a Sabbath day. Because um, after, after a certain distance, so sometimes you might see in Scripture a Sabbath day walk. Well, that was a, a, a law that they had come up with and how far a person could walk on a Sabbath day. And it's still a thing today. Um, when I was deployed, we had a rabbi come to our post, and he requested quarters that were close to a defect, a eating dining facility, a defect dining facility, so he could, so it would be within a Sabbath day walk of, so he could eat on the Sabbath day. Um, because we we were on a rather large base, so it, it was nothing that you, you might have to walk you know, a half mile to a mile to get there. And that was too far for him to walk on the Sabbath day. And so there's, you know, these types of things that they had ruled on. I don't know what their, their distance was. And they had ruled that harvesting was illegal. And what the, what the disciples were doing was considered harvesting in their eyes. So Jesus in verse three makes a ruling that overrules the Pharisees. Why? Because he has the authority above scripture. Because he is the one, because he is God's son, he has the authority. And so Jesus replies to them in verse 3, Jesus answered them, Haven't you read what David and those who were with him did when he was hungry? How he entered the house of God and took and ate the bread of presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat? He even gave some to those who were with him. Then he told them, The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus recounts to them an event that happened in Scripture. We call it the Old Testament. We can find it today in uh, 1 Samuel, I get the chapter right, 1 Samuel chapter 21. 1 Samuel chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. David, in 1 Samuel 20, David, it was the last time David ever saw Jonathan and um, King Saul. Jonathan was trying to, uh, 
defend King King well David wasn't king yet. Tried to defend David, and King Saul got angry and flew off the handle. And even tried to kill Jonathan for defending David. And David and Jonathan met out in the field and said their goodbyes to one another, realizing they would probably never see one another again. And so David was running from King Saul. And David came to the tabernacle. The temple had not been built yet, so it still was the tabernacle. So it was the same design as the temple, except it was a tent that could be moved around. And so David came and saw to the tabernacle and asked the priest who was in charge of the tabernacle if he had any food. And the priest said, no, I don't have any food here today. The only food I have are the 12 loaves of bread. And don't think of the bread that we have. Think more of 12 large pieces of pita bread, be closer to what they had, that were in the tabernacle. Because every day they had to bake 12 loaves of that bread and put it in the tabernacle. Then at the end of the day, um, or the next day, the priests could eat it because they replaced it with fresh 12 loaves. And so they did that every day. But that bread was consecrated. It was blessed. It was only to be eaten by the priests. When David came by, he says, do you have any food? He said, only that. And the priest gave that bread to David and to his men who were with him. David was not a priest, never pretended to be a priest, did not try to be a priest. But the priest, because of necessity, and that David and his men hadn't eaten, we don't know for how long, we don't know how much far they had traveled, and they were running from King Saul, although the priest didn't know that, David didn't tell him that. David gave him a cover story. <clears throat> they actually said they were on a mission for King Saul instead of running from King Saul. And, and so the priest gave him the food. And Jesus said that was a lawful thing for the priest to do. Why? Because God is a God of grace and mercy. He is more about grace and mercy than he is about rules and regulations. Grace and mercy are closer to holiness than rules and regulations are. And the Pharisees had not learned that. And so that's the reason Jesus tells, reminds them of this event that happened. And Jesus says, this is the same thing as happened. I am allowing them grace and mercy so they will eat and not grow weary and faint from, from hunger. We don't know when the last time the disciples ate. Had they ate the day before? Maybe they'd been two days before they ate. We don't know that. Food was not as uh, prevalent there as it was here. Even if they had eaten, maybe they probably didn't eat very much. And Jesus closes his example there in verse 5 with, this, with the statement, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Two statements, both parts of that statement would have just irked the Pharisees. One, he called himself the Son of Man. That was a title that was in the book of Daniel. Secondly, 
he call he says that he is Lord of the Sabbath. In Greek, Lord is the same as it is here. Sometimes it could be a, a title for God. Sometimes it could be a title for man, like lords and ladies. Lord of the land. But here he uses it as God. He is Lord of the Sabbath. The Pharisees were not Lord of the Sabbath. They were the interpreters of the law on what you could do on the Sabbath. But they were not Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus once again, declares he is Lord of the Sabbath. And so once again, as we go through Luke, we see that these encounters are happening on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, Jesus, you know, that's when the see, a lot of these confrontations are happening with the Pharisees is on the Sabbath day. And in verse starting in verse 6, it says again, on another Sabbath. So it doesn't say it's the next one. It just says that on another day that this happened. And so as we go back, if you go back and read verses 4, 5, and 6, we see that Jesus, a lot of these events are happening on the Sabbath day. Jesus cast, Jesus taught on the Sabbath. Um, Jesus had his, um, had up with you know, Nazareth and almost thrown off a cliff in Nazareth on a Sabbath. Um, Jesus uh, cast out a demon out of a, or out of a, a man who was possessed by demons on a Sabbath day, out of, in the synagogue. When he went to Peter's house and his mother-in-law was sick, that was probably a Sabbath day. Um, and so we see that Jesus is doing things on the Sabbath day. And so on, an, on verse six, at verse chapter six, verse six, on another Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And every time he said it says that when he went into a synagogue, it says he was the one that was teaching. It doesn't say, what it doesn't tell us was, did he request to teach or did they ask him to teach? It, it never tells us that. But he was teaching. And so we know by the repetition, this is his habit. On the Sabbath day, he goes to a synagogue, which is a place where Jews would go to worship. And he was teaching. And a man there was whose right hand was shriveled. In verse 6, a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. So for some reason, that man, his right hand was it was paralyzed. Maybe it was injured many years ago, and it, just, it was shriveled because of muscle atrophy, or it was a birth, could have been a birth defect. It doesn't tell us what what the issue was. Verse seven: The scribes and Pharisees were watching him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath, so that they could find a charge against him. How desperate were they? They were wanted Jesus to heal, not to praise God, so they could charge Jesus for working on the Sabbath. Because healing was work. It wasn't a life and death situation. If it was life and death, you could you could well, you know, it was it was um, lawful to you know render aid. You know, if you fell down a hole, it was lawful to, you know, help you out of the hole. If you fell down the well hole or something. You know, if you fell down, you broke your leg, you could, you know, render aid on that day. You know, stop the bleeding, whatever the case may be, if you were injured. You, you could render emergency aid. But this was an emergency situation. This man's hand was shriveled. It had been shriveled for many years. What's another day? Why can't just wait till tomorrow to heal it, Jesus? And this was something that they had talked about and they knew about 
Um, if you know anything about Jewish history, the Maccabees. The Maccabees were about 200 years before this. They were uh, a sect of Jews that lived in, in Palestine in the Israel area um, bet in between the Testaments. And they fought against the Greeks. The Greeks had, during that time, had conquered all the Middle East and, and were in charge then. Alexander the Great had done that. And they fought against the Greeks. And it's because of the fight that the Maccabees has that we have the celebration of Hanukkah that happened during their time. And, and the Maccabees had decided that for Sabbath day rules that they would never initiate a battle on a Sabbath day. So they, they would not attack the Greeks on the Sabbath day. However, if the Greeks attacked them, they would defend themselves to save lives. So they had determined that they could do, they would do the wage war in that manner. And that kind of goes in the history of what Jesus says next in verse 8. But he knew, their, he, that's Jesus, but Jesus knew their thoughts and told the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand here. So the man got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to, to them, I ask you, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil, to save a life or to destroy it? To save a life or to destroy it. And that's what the, the, the rule that the Maccabees lived by. You know, they, we would save lives by defending ourselves if we were attacked, but we would not destroy lives by initiating the attack. Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil? And the question here would be, would be to do nothing, be doing evil? And that's Jesus' implication. Because if he doesn't heal this man, he is, like Jesus' question, the implication of his question is, if he doesn't heal this man, that Jesus is doing evil by failing to heal. And so once again, he is challenging the Pharisees' interpretation of the law. Because God is a God of grace and mercy. And he is showing that grace and mercy trump, little t, trump the law of the Old Testament. In verse 10, after looking around at them, at looking around at them all, he told them, stretch out your hand. So he stopped. He asked this question and he looked at him, waited for an answer. and None of them spoke up. None of the Pharisees that were all picked off spoke up. If you read this account in the other Gospels, um, you, you'll see that it says that Jesus was angry at them for their accusations, for their unspoken accusations, the thoughts they had in their mind. Luke doesn't mention Jesus' emotion here, but he looked at them all. They didn't answer. And he told him, Jesus told the, the man who, who's being healed, stretch out your hand. He did, and his hand was restored. And so Jesus, once again, heals. And when he heals, he heals completely. The man didn't have to go through therapy. He didn't have physical therapies. Therapist companies would not like Jesus because they wouldn't, need, they wouldn't need physical therapy when Jesus healed them. 
Because Jesus healed completely. He healed not only the injury, but he healed the muscle atrophy. He healed the tendons. He recreated the muscle. So everything worked perfectly as soon as he was healed. When we are healed, you know, when we're injured, you know, we have to go through therapy. You know, yesterday, um, quarterback Alex Smith was the NFL comeback player of the year. Why? Because two years ago, he had his leg broken and he had to go through 17 surgeries to fix that um, leg. He had infections. They, al- they almost amputated at one time. He, he wasn't far from dying himself. And then once they got the infections healed and the surgeries, then he had to regain his strength. And it took him many months to regain, regain the strength that he needed to just walk, because he couldn't even walk at first. He had to learn how to walk again. Then he had to learn how to you know, be able to you know, walk faster and then to run. And then all the movements you have to do when you're a quarterback in the NFL. And so he had to learn how to do all that. And he did, and he, st- he played and started NFL games this year and won. You know, not for the Chiefs, but he won. And, you know, helped his team get to the playoffs this year. And so it takes it took a long time. But if Jesus would have healed him, he could have came back to the NFL a lot quicker. But Jesus didn't heal him. Why? Well, that, that's, another, that's another thing for another day. So the man in verse 10, he did, Jesus did this. He did it, and his hand was restored. Verse 11, they, however, were filled with rage and started discussing with one another what they might do to Jesus. The Pharisees were ticked off. Jesus did what they thought he would do, and they thought they could make charges against him. But once again, Jesus turned the tables. Why? Because, well, Jesus is God, and Jesus understood what was right and what was wrong. And he understood people's hearts, not just the heart of the Pharisees, but the heart of the man who had a shriveled hand, the heart of the people who were watching, the heart of God. And he understood that grace and mercy were greater than just following rules. Yes, the Jews should have, Jesus was not saying that the Sabbath was, was null and void. No, Jesus was, saying, was never saying that. But all the extra rules and regulations that the Pharisees and the scribes and the others had put on the people just made it odorous and onerous and, and awful to comply with because it just, and, and there was no room for grace and mercy. No room for, and that's not saying that, you know, you know, fat person, you know, going without food. No, we're, you know, it's, it's people who are going without food because there was no food around to have. He was not healing somebody who had, who had a sniffle and a cold or, 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 or the, a mild, mild case of the flu or something. No, he was, this person's hand was his livelihood. Your hand, it said it was his right hand. Okay, that, you know, that's, that's your main hand to work with. Most people are right-handed. His right hand will show he couldn't work. 
He couldn't provide for his family. So this was not just a minor inconvenience healing that, you know, he pulled a splinter out of his thumb or something. His hand was shriveled up. He couldn't work. He couldn't provide. So the only way to provide for his family probably was begging. We know how we like beggars here, sitting at the stoplights and sitting at the stop signs. And, and so that was the only way, you know, somebody who was shriveled hand that was, you know, handicapped this way could survive was on the, on, on the gifts of others. And so Jesus healing him means that this man could go and get a real job and work and provide for him and his family. We don't know anything about this man's family. It doesn't mention it. But 99% of the people there at, at that time had families. Or maybe he didn't have a family because his arm was shriveled. Nobody would let their daughter marry him. But now he is whole. He could have a family now. He could get jobs. He could, and, and people would say, oh, well, okay, you're whole again. He, now you can marry my daughter. And so this was about grace and mercy. It wasn't about the rules and regulations. It was about keeping the Sabbath holy by doing holy things on the Sabbath day. Now, we're Baptists. I'm Baptist. We don't hold, most Baptists don't hold to the Sabbath the way the ancient Jews did. There were, and there are some Christians who still hold to the Sabbath. I know, I, I've heard of people um, in the Seventh-day Adventist church who hold to the Saturday Sabbath and even his own businesses. But every Saturday, they have a, a standing contract. They sell their business to another person for 24 hours every week. And then they buy their business back. That way their business doesn't have to close for Saturday. Um, they're the owners of Chick-fil-A, Hobby Lobby. They close on Sunday, even though uh, many times they're in places and malls where they they're, they're supposed to be required to be opened because Sundays is one of the biggest mall days, food court days. And, and frankly, you know, any even standalone restaurants, Sundays is one of their busiest days. Why? Because of all us. Christians who go out to eat after church. But they choose to be closed on that day, even though it costs them profits. You know, many states used to have blue laws and, you know, businesses that weren't allowed to be open on Sundays. Most of those laws have been repealed now. So Jesus was, you know... I made a note to myself. He was like, well, Jesus was just, according to the Pharisees, Jesus was just a rule breaker. But that's not what he was. That's, that's what the Pharisees thought he was. But once again, Jesus is showing who he is. He is the son of, he is son of God. He is God incarnate. He is God. He is the God man. He is 100% God. He is 100% human. And we, we read this and we understand that. Why? Because we've read the whole book. We've read all four Gospels. We understand what has happened. We've listened to sermons. We've listened to Sunday school lessons. But think about the people in Jesus' day at this point in time, even the disciples. They're still trying to see, piece it together. Who is this Jesus? Is he just a prophet, the first prophet we've had in 400 years? Or is he something more? And even, you know, is he the Messiah? The idea that the Messiah was the Son of God 
was not a thought. That was new thought. That, that was, they did not understand prophecies written that way because it was infathomable. I was like, what do you mean? God becoming a man? What? No. The Messiah is just a person that's chosen by God. And so the idea that the Messiah is the son of God, is, is you know, God-man, was, was not an idea that they were prepared for. And so Jesus, the reason he did this for so long and so many things, was to show that he was the son of God. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Because he's the son of God, he can be the Lord of the Sabbath. Isaiah, a great prophet in the Old Testament, was not Lord of the Sabbath. Neither was Jeremiah or Daniel, not even King David. Moses was not Lord of the Sabbath, even though he's the one who wrote the law down to create it. Even though God wrote it down, but he, everybody saw it come from Moses. And so they're still trying to wrap their minds around this. The disciples are trying to learn this. They're more open-minded than the Pharisees. Pharisees, Pharisees aren't open-minded. Nobody can be the Son of God. They, were already, they already made up their mind. There's no way that this can be from God. So they were closed off. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. That means he can be the Lord of your life too. He came, he did all these things to prove that when he died on the cross, that his death meant something. And it was an atonement for your sin. That you can have salvation. You can have forgiveness of sins. And that is why we're reading scripture. That is why it's here. That we can put our lives in the hands of God. He is trustworthy. He is looking out for the little guy. This man who is unnamed, who had a shriveled up hand from a small town in a small in a backwater area of the world. As far as we know, he never did anything great. We don't know if he had kids and a wife and kids before or after his hand was shriveled. We don't know anything about him. But yet God had mercy on him and healed him on this day. God had mercy on the stomachs of the disciples and let them eat so they didn't grow weary and, and collapse while they're walking down the road. And so they could listen to the teachings that Jesus had when he was in the synagogue or any other place he was. Because well, we can't listen on an empty stomach very well. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. He can be the Lord of your life. And so as Christians, we need to constantly remind ourselves that he is the Lord of our lives because we can fall away into sin. We will not, and we can fail to endure to the end if we forget that. If you've never followed Christ, you need to do that for the first time. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent of your sins. Turn to God. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you for all the grace and mercy that you've given us, Lord. Help us to extend that grace and mercy to those around us. Whether it's somebody we have known all our lives or a stranger that we may never see again. Help us to praise you for the grace and mercy you've given us and thank you. 
and to bask in that. You are the mighty God, Lord, and we just lift all this up in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Well, once again, I thank you for watching. I thank you for listening. I appreciate your patience and your time and, and, and watching and listening. Um, even though I stutter and stammer around and my eyeballs do weird things sometimes. Um, so once again, if, if you're new to watching, I am uh, Nelson Nisley, pastor, associate pastor at Tower View Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. You can check out our web or our website at towerviewkc.com, our Facebook page. Uh, normally we have drive-in services at 1030 here. We, we are not doing that this morning because of the snow and the cold. Um, so stay, uh, stay home, stay warm. The sermon will be online. The songs uh, will be online on our, we our website and also on our Facebook page. So you, you can watch and listen to those there. Obviously, you watch and listen to the Sunday School lesson just now. And so um, if you have any other questions or comments, you can contact the church anytime at our phone number, 816-368-1330. You can call, you can text that line. And it's a Google line, so somebody doesn't have to be in the church for you to hear it, uh, to, to get to it. So um, you can leave messages on the our uh, website. There is a place to leave prayer requests and, and, and such on our website. And so that's what we're doing today. We thought we were going to have church today, but the snow came this morning, and that was not predicted by the weatherman. So uh, that's what's happening today. Things don't always happen the way we plan them to be. Um, life isn't always easy. But that doesn't mean but we, we know we have an eternity with God. Yes, it's cold out there. Uh, I praise God because there's no mosquitoes out there and the alligators can't live in this weather. And neither can the fire ants. Fire ants are nasty creatures. I've had them. Yeah, no. Fire ants don't live in this kind of weather either. So I praise God for this weather. It keeps the fire ants away too. So have a great rest of your day. Um, take time to worship God. Even though you may be home, take time to worship God today uh, at home by um, singing along with the songs that we have online that Pastor Craig put online uh, by listening and, and taking notes if you need to to the sermon that Pastor Darren is uh, has preached and is going to be online. You know, um, and, and for the songs and for the Sunday school lesson, for the sermon, if they are a blessing to you, one, hit the like button. You know, more people will, you know, Facebook will see that and more people will, will get to see this. It'll pop up on their feeds. Also, share it on your line, on your on your wall. If it's you think it's a blessing to you, it'll be a blessing to somebody else. And it, it, it's a, you know a, a form of sharing uh, God's word out there to others. So, thank you everyone for uh, watching and listening today. And uh, I appreciate it. So, God bless and have a wonderful rest of your day. And hopefully, the right team wins that little football game this afternoon. But God bless and have a wonderful day.